do you? It's not as. It's, it's, Did they slow down down in yeah. there? Would you rather do there? Hey, hey, cruisers! Six Man Jenny here with some reminders and updates for your fun time on board. Of course. Paula Coles said, "Starts the Stardust Theater at 6:30. Doors for that will open." In April of 2019, I went on the Melissa Etheridge cruise. Now, what the hell is that? <laughs> Literally, everyone I told asked me, and I said. Well, it's a cruise full of feminists and musicians, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to interview them. I'm just going to get to the right spot, and then we're going to have you do a... Um, I know, it's literally was quiet here for so long, and it's like everyone decided to party. I didn't really have a solid plan, but I did a bunch of research. I reached out to people. I wrote a very passionate email and I set up interviews. One of them included the amazing Jill Solbuehl. I was in the 90s, the Lilith Fair generation. Whoops. You spilled wine. I definitely just dropped my phone and spilled my wine, and that's why um, I'm a disaster. No, I'm not drunk. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. He's absolutely wasted. I like that. Are you drunk? I'm so hammered right now, Jill. It's a code alpha on this cruise right now. I'm like... Not everything went according to plan, but I had so much fun. I was really inspired, and I met some incredible people. I was a crime scene investigator for the Orange County Sheriff's Office in the Major Case Division. I didn't think I'd ever wear this much pink or be on a cruise ship with Melissa Etheridge. But I also didn't think I'd lose my mom to breast cancer. So when that happened, it was devastating for me. And I knew she was just such an amazing person that I had to make sure her legacy lived on. I want to get a little bit of sun. We're going to go snorkeling. No more drinks for you, though. That wasn't my fault. Yes, it was. What, the wind? We're big music lovers and discovering new artists. This is the place to be. And we started to follow some other bands after the last cruise, so we're doing it again this time. I had already been an Olympic coach for the 84 Olympics, and he... They basically just said yes, so I walked in the door. There were like 40 men and me. And they looked, and they said, is this a joke? I looked over my shoulder wondering who he's talking to because I wasn't sure what they were saying. And he says, we have strength requirements. I said, what are they, honey? Let's go. I remember somebody, one of my program directors, one of my bosses, specifically said to me, you will never, ever uh, make the kind of money that men make in this business and odds are you won't get to do morning or afternoon drive because women don't do afternoon drive or morning drive. And I've always just been one of those people, when you tell me no or you can't, then I'm going to be that much more driven to do it. And I did. I certainly consider myself a feminist, and I was so inspired by these women and their stories that I wanted to share them. And the cruise is just the springboard. This podcast is going to cover so much more than that. It's going to cover pretty much everything and anything. It's a lot of experimentation. It's a lot of um, disasters. Like as I'm recording right now, there's the train outside. You know, no one's perfect. And I'm certainly not. And so I kind of wanted to delve deep into life and feminism and me. You're listening to the Disaster Feminist Podcast with me, Abby Holland. I sat down with the singer-songwriter Jill Solbuehl. The song that put her on the map in 1995 was I Kissed a Girl. It's the original, not the Katy Perry version. 
You also might know her song, Supermodel, from the iconic Clueless soundtrack. She's not only a singer and a songwriter, she's an activist, a feminist, she's hilarious, and she's intelligent. She's a nice person, too. I actually met Jill when I was writing comedy for a reproductive rights organization. We performed all over the country together, bringing comedy and music to people as we also taught them about reproductive rights. She has a new album out called Nostalgia Kills, and she's working on a musical inspired by her life and her music called Fuck 7th Grade. Do you got a sharpie? I'm never in the place I am. Because I know artists don't actually carry them around with them all the time. This is an, uh, an incredible uh, situation that we're in. You just got uh, a fan just came up to you. Had you signed something? Fan had me, what was incredible about it was it was a fan that asked me to sign vinyl. I didn't think, I don't think many people bought vinyl on this, this cruise. But that was, I liked that. So, how did you find yourself on the Melissa Etheridge cruise? You know, my agent, my agent, got, <laughs> yeah. my, my booking agent called me and asked if I wanted to do it. And so I have no idea who, who decided to have me on, on it. But I don't, you know, someone from Melissa, but, but it's the, I know it's been three years and this is the first time I, I've been asked and, and done it. Oh my God. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious why you were invited. You are kind of a staple in the amazing singer-songwriters who came up in the 90s. I was in the 90s, the Lilith Fair generation. Whoops. You spilled wine. I definitely just you dropped just my phone spilled and spilled wine. my wine, and that's why um, I'm are a disaster. I No, I'm not drunk. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. She's absolutely wasted. <laughs> I like the Are you drunk? I'm so hammered right <laughs> now, Jill. I'm so, it's a code alpha on this cruise right now. I'm like, code alpha is when they put someone in the drunk tank. I think that's what, what it is. I, what if I had to, to uh, bail you out of the, the brig? I mean, that would be really sad be for so me great. and my mother. That would be so great to do interviews from the drunk tank. <laughs> <laughs> well, have, that's where we're off to next. Okay, so let's move on. So we're moving on. So I want to know what it was like when you were coming up in the 90s as an artist and what it felt like to be a part of a wave of amazing singer-songwriters that kind of waved up together. Well, I my very first record was in 1990, so I got signed in actually 89, so it was right before that that wave, the little fair wave. But uh, I remember there were three record companies who were interested in signing me, and uh, I, I with MCA at the time, but there were two others, and both of them had said that, oh, we love you, but we already have a female artist. So at that time... They only had one. They, we already have a female singer-songwriter on the label. So, really, it, it was in those mid-90s. Or, uh, it, was, it was pretty amazing that, although there was kind of a ghettoization of, you know, here were the Lilith Fair, because we were never on Lollapalooza, it was such a male world. But it was the beginning. It really was, and it was it was the beginning of, of maybe the the music industry uh, 
signing more women than one act a, a, a year. Yeah, there. it seemed like, so the, the 90s had this almost, you had a third wave of feminism, and it almost seemed like a magical moment, in a sense. There was a lot of change happening. Um, did you did you feel that at the time? Or you were just like, oh, I'm just writing songs, and I just want to play music? Well, I think there was, like I said, I was right before it. And, and, um, but yeah, it, there was kind of a great time. It was, was a, 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 a mini... It was like the second and a half wave of feminism, or it wasn't quite. Yeah, it 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 was there. Well, you had your riot girls, you had like the gorilla girls, you had a lot of movements, Uh, and and I think when, for instance, on the record I did in 1995, when I had I kissed a girl on it. I don't think the label thought of that as something revolutionary. I think they thought of it as more of a novelty hit. But to me, it was like, oh, I'm being subversive here uh, as much as I can. And, and uh, yeah, bringing, bringing some feminism and queerness into to the pop world. That was a pretty big deal. Um, you pretty much have the song of a generation. I Kissed a Girl is like, I don't know, it was the, the first, the, the, the original, <laughs> yeah. the original I Kissed a Girl. Um, did you get any pushback when you oh originally wanted to, when you were presented it to the company? Were they like, uh... Well, actually, interesting enough, I didn't actually think it was going to be on the record. I thought it was you know, a fun song that I did, even though I... I think that they decided to do it because they thought, oh, it's a cute little novelty song. They didn't take it as, you know, this, this is a queer song. Or gay. They thought it was, you know, being flirty. And, and um, so they didn't have a pushback on it. What happened was then afterwards, when they decided to put it out, there were radio stations that banned it. There was a radio station, one in the south of Nashville, that, that had a disclaimer at the beginning. Uh, so I think they actually pushed back a little bit in, in the video that was really funny with Fabio. Originally, we were supposed to have a kiss. I was supposed to have, it was going to be like the first female kiss on MTV. And it would have been great because I, I had a crush on the girl that was playing the other girl, Jenny, anyway. <laughs> I wish I could remember her name. And uh, at the last minute, they nixed it. And... They, instead, they had me have Fabio's baby, so it's like I go back to Fabio. <gasps> yeah. They made you do that? The last minute. <gasps> well, they nixed... Uh, so, they nixed the kiss. Yeah, it was a little heartbreaking in a way. But it, it was a... It was, like I said, it was before there was the, the Ellen show when she came out, before Will and Grace. So uh, they, people didn't really know what to do with it at that time, so... And I didn't know, myself personally, I didn't know how bold to be, how, what, you know, I was getting a lot of blowback from, I remember looking at uh, some music sites, like gay music sites, and one person would say, oh, she's a straight girl trying to get on this trend, and then you'd see someone else going, she's so gay, why doesn't she just come out and say, you, know, you like, can't okay. win. You couldn't win, so, but, like, today, or this week, you know, every, uh, when I walk out of this cruise, every time 
I get someone that says, oh, that song meant a lot to them when they were younger and they were in Alabama or something. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really, I'm proud of it. Um, there are, uh, a, lot of, a lot of your songs are political and you're very funny and you have an amazing stage presence. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's just so important to incorporate that, especially with um, being in a time period we're in right now. Um, there's a lot of change happening. There's a lot of uncomfortability. So we're kind of entering a fourth wave, I guess you could say, of feminism. How do you think it's going so far? <laughs> As far as being political, I, I've been that way almost from the beginning. I mean, my very first song I wrote when I was in, what, fourth or fifth grade was Richard Nixon is a bad man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, all the way to during the Bush years, for a second, when, when I remember opening up for Don Henley, which had a very, it, for some reason it was somewhere in Arkansas and had a very conservative fan base and I, and I had one of my shirts was my Bush would make a better president oh my no god no one bought I never sold anything are you kidding they me they hated it that should that, I, yeah you have that shirt oh my god someone I here has that my Bush that. would make a better president someone had that shirt someone on the of shirt. course they do um, yes and so I, I think that's always been a part of, of what I what I've done so uh, I, before any any new wave has appeared, uh, or before the Trump years, I was, I was. You're already doing it. I was it. there. Yeah. You were already doing it. And of course, how I, I always like doing it where. I always feel like sometimes it's even more effective rather than bashing someone over the head when you can use a little bit of, of humor and and, uh, yeah. You have a song, uh, uh, when they say, oh, when, when they say we want our America back, our America back, our America back. When they say we want our America back, what the fuck do they mean? Exactly. It's a crowd pleaser. It's amazing. When, when did you write that song and um, oh, what, what inspired you? I wrote that maybe, people thought it was, I wrote that. Uh, during the election or when Trump was coming in but I wrote that four years earlier and it was uh, I was uh, to play a, a, an event called Freedom from Fear Award which was young kid young immigrant kids who you know to support them who were, who were scared of being deported uh, and I wrote that song for that event and um, yeah and it was it was it, it, it became popular during the election, the last election, yes, because of because make you know make America great again, the MAGA hats, and um, but I have to say, as of this moment on the the, the cruise, this moment in time, uh, I need to write another one. Like, yeah, I want my America back. <laughs> I know, like we want it back. Um. But but it was really the song is a history of you know, a, a satire of, of anti-immigrant 
sentiment, the history of it from from Benjamin Franklin. I, oh, I got it from, I, I started with a quote from Benjamin Franklin, who in 1790 was complaining about all these German immigrants and, and destroying our bodies and minds with their, their beer gardens. Their German-ness. Their beer. Their beer. So, uh, yeah. I think that's so important. Uh, I think music is such a good vehicle to be uh, political, and also when there's humor involved in it, it's like, it's just a perfect vehicle to invoke change in society. It's the same with, with comedy. Yes. Oh, we got some, we got some, we got some drunk people. I'm just gonna hold for one second. What, they, um, drunk people get loud, don't people they? People get loud. Um, but we're ha- they're having fun. This is the last night on the ship. Oh man, uh, people could do whatever they want. <laughs> um, have you had a good I, time on this I've ship? I've had such a good time. I've been talking to so many amazing people, and this cruise is like a—it's the love boat. Like it really is. Um, it's just great energy, and I feel like uh, I kind of want the world to be like I this. Know, and you know what I love? I love some of these. Hi! I love I love some of these women that have been together for 40 years or 35 years. I love the older women. There's there's something so sweet. Well, it's like they've been they've kind of seen a huge they they've seen so much. They were together when you couldn't be together and they were together when uh, gay rights kind of had a surgence in the 70s and 80s and then they're seeing now gay marriage being passed uh, it's like it's almost like it's like they have so much information and um, experience in them and, and that's the other thing is a, a younger generation especially in the, the, the coastal in New York that, that you've got this it's so exciting this younger generation that being gay is or bisexual is like ah that's so yesterday you know or, or like you know no big deal you know we can there's no like fear of coming out to your parents but it's good that, that people are young people are exposed to their elders that know the struggle and they it's, it's just the it. same thing as when you know you get a younger girl I'm not a feminist but you know it's like yes. excuse me talk to these you know your elders who you know, not even what it's still like, but what it was like, and, and you owe these. these you owe folks. them. They fought. Yeah, they fought for what for what you we can all right now, now. Right. experience and be comfortable and have the backing of feeling safe to come out or feeling safe to be who you actually are. Right. Um. I want to talk about your new album. Yes, please. Nostalgia Kills. Oh, that's my new record. I I love this album so much, and I know that even though you talk about a breakup and you talk about things that are maybe sad, um, it also is inspiring and beautiful. Well, yeah, I think Nostalgia Kills is probably... Ben Lee, who, who friend who produced it, and basically, his, his main job was I gave him like 60 songs and to choose from, and he wanted to choose the songs that were kind of the sadder ballads, or, you know, not all sad, but, but they were not as sometimes I can be quirky or, you know, goofy. And he wanted to just go, I, I liked what he curated. And I, for myself, 
I find the songs that were the most inspiring to me were, were sometimes growing up with the sadder songs. Some, you know, to me, it was like, I here's someone I can relate to, here's someone who feels the way I do, it makes you feel not so alone, or that, uh, yeah. So uh, I never feel that doing sad or depressing songs are, uh, are, are a bummer. It's so relatable, though, because everyone does it. Everyone looks back on their life. Everyone feels that feeling of what it's like to, to feel like, oh, it's almost a yearning, um, a yearning feeling. And I think you captured it really beautifully with your album. And I think the title, Nostalgia Kills, it was, it was interesting because I found myself... Well, there was a week period... W-E-E-K, where, where I I was just going down the rabbit hole looking at old ads like from my childhood, old toys ads from my childhood, old TV shows. Just And then I thought there's something wonderful to connect, but there's also something that you have to move from. So I, I think that there's this push and pull of on the record of it. It's, it's a bit of a memoir. But yet, it also looks to the future of where I can be. Yes. That's so exciting. And people can tell them where they can find it on all of the things. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on iTunes. You can find they it can on JillSolbule.com. You can buy it from me. I saw someone wearing your T-shirt yes. uh, yesterday. They, you have amazing T-shirts. You have merch. I do have merch. You have vinyl. I have vinyl. I have this chill in a bottle. Uh, anytime I say my name, I feel like Donald <laughs> Trump. I beat up <laughs> the third person. Uh, it's a little glass bottle with a cork that has a USB, and it's got 150 songs on it. They can get that. And they're, it's a lot. It's live. It's your live songs? Well, no, it has different oh, it has folders. Everything. It has all my records. It has a folder of live songs. It has some oddball things where I, I do duets. I have one where I'm doing duets with Cindy Lauper, Billy Bragg, Warren Sivan. Yeah. I love this. Um, I want everyone to know your music, and I want everyone to see you live because you have an amazing stage presence, and you're an amazing songwriter. So... Um, Thank you, everyone Maggie. should go out and buy her album. Everyone should go and and go go on my Instagram because I'll have uh, where I'm gonna be. Plus, really bad Photoshop <laughs> pictures. <laughs> really and, bad, really amazing. You mean? <laughs> well, you also are you're you're also traveling around the country. You're doing this amazing thing where you you're doing like living room concerts. You're you're house concerts. House yeah. concerts. You can book Jill. Book uh, me for house concerts. It's really, really fun. It's my favorite thing to do now. I think you actually probably have the power to change the country because the country feels so divided now. But when I see you going and doing these house concerts, I don't know. I think you you appeal to all to to everyone. What's so uh, interesting is is uh, this is the Melissa Cruz and it, it, uh, and there's a lot of women. I think it's like. 90, what is it, 97% women? Are oh, yeah, we, we, saw, we saw a statistic 93, on... 93, but it, and it's... 7% men and 93% women. And a lot of gay yeah. women. And then a few weeks ago, I did a cruise. It was more of kind of 
have an NPRE audience, and then I did one last year, the Delbert Cruise, which I would say was probably a good percentage of red staters. So it was really interesting to, uh, you know, music can uh, bring people together. Of course, I didn't wear my, you know, my, my, my radical t-shirts there. Right. But if some, I feel like if a, some, someone from, you know, I don't know, a red state heard a song of yours. Actually, I do America back. I take that back. I don't, I don't really, you know, you cater to your audience, but I don't hide things. That's true. No, you don't. No, I don't. Um, so I think a party just entered this room because you're sitting here. So I feel like we have to wrap this up. But thank you so much for chatting with me. Why, thank you. Thank yes. you very much, Abby. And I know you personally. <laughs> you're really swell and wonderful and kind. And that's it. And that's it. That's what I am. Thank you, Jill. So, <laughs> that's over with. Let's tell how we really let's feel. Let's fucking get drunk. Let's fucking, let's get <laughs> You can find out everything you need to know about Jill and when she's touring by going to her website, jillsobule.com. Special thanks to Melissa and the Mannequins for the music. There's a train. There's a train, there's a train interrupting me.